0: the financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech, and much more. Enjoy this episode. Uh, I am Baba Kapasade, CEO of Toronto Centre. A warm welcome to you to our executive panel on climate change, biodiversity loss, and food security crises. Since our establishment 25 years ago, Toronto Centre has trained more than 20,000. supervisors and regulators from 190 countries and jurisdictions to become change agents for building more stable uh, and inclusive financial systems. I would like to thank our key sponsors, uh, Global Affairs Canada, the Swedish CETA, and the IMF. In 2016, we began incorporating climate risk in our training programs because of the substantial implications to global financial stability and risk of crisis from climate change We're also very happy that since then, uh, standard setters and uh, uh, new organizations like NGFS are on, on board with this issue, and we're very pleased to be partnering with the NGFS. Climate change, biodiversity loss, food insecurity, geopolitical uncertainties, supply chain, bottlenecks and high inflation, I'm losing my breath should not be seen in isolation. At Toronto Center. We see these as intertwined with financial inclusion. For example, an estimated 80% of small farmers lack access to formal agri-insurance. Financial supervisors are part of the multi-stakeholder crisis ecosystem of crisis management and must continue to adapt to evolving risks and strengthen the financial resilience of various actors. Today, our distinguished guests will discuss badly needed insight on these challenges. Sometimes you never know who you get for a speaker, but I can assure you these are excellent speakers. They've all been tested at Toronto Centre events before. And uh, we're very honored to have uh, Governor, former Governor uh, Stefan Ingves of the Central Bank of Sweden, who's also our chair and a longtime board member of Toronto Centre. The Honorable John Rangombois, um, Governor of the National Bank of... Um, Rwanda, and Neza Hayat, who's the chair and CEO of the uh, Moroccan Capital Markets Authority, who was gracious enough to host us for a a Keystone program back in 2019 in Rabat, and our moderator and friend Jean Pesme, Global Director of Finance and Competitiveness and Innovation of the World Bank Group. You have received their bios. So let's begin. Over to you Jean.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me and the bank to this panel on a really really important and timely topic so I don't don't think I need to overemphasize it but really this issue of climate change, biodiversity loss, food security is one of the key crises of the moment so as Babak mentioned we need to think about it in terms of response to crisis but also how do we mobilize funding in particular private capital to be able to address those challenges. I think this is really very much um, at the center of the global discussion at the moment. So thank you very much for organizing this panel and thank you very much to the panelists for joining us with very different perspectives. So I think that's also where we will really benefit from this discussion. Uh, So Stefan, i I'm going to to start with you. You've been part of this global discussion for quite some time. We've seen since the Paris Agreement that the climate crisis and climate change is really at the center of the agenda of many government, international organizations financial institution, and we've seen a growing number of institutions realizing that it's also not just about climate change, but biodiversity is really uh, getting higher on the agenda, and obviously we see it on the ground, uh, the food security crisis. So um, on on, um, biodiversity, last year the NGFS uh, published a report on central banking and supervision in the biosphere which recognizes by that di- biodiversity loss is a potential of uh, economic and financial risk. So part of it is why are uh, banking uh, central bankers, supervisors coming to that topic? A bit unusual, so it would be good if you can give us a little bit of big picture, set the scene for the discussion on your views on the nexus between climate change, biodiversity and food security. How much uh, is one driver of the other? What are the interconnection? But also, how does that relate to financial stability? What's the nexus with financial stability? So, Stefan.
2: Thank you. Uh, first, let me say that if you read the recent reports on climate change, those recent reports are not happy reading. No. So from that perspective, it looks, doesn't look good. But on the other hand, what, is, what has changed is that if you go, let's say, five years back, and you talk about these things in the central banking community, there's basically nothing there. So if you read up on this topic and think about recently published reports, they actually have reference lists. And five years ago, there were no such reference lists. And that's just saying that this is actually on the agenda of many, many more than in the past. But on the other hand, at the same time, it's clear that if you look at the... What central banks do and what supervisors do, climate change, biodiversity—these topics are not sort of included in what is listed in the legal frameworks of these institutions. Yeah. So when you, so when you uh, uh, when you deal with these issues, uh, it it comes kind of indirectly. But nonetheless, this is still important because what is going on now is likely to affect how the economy functions. And it is also highly, highly likely going to affect both the um, the macro picture in many countries, and at the same time financial stability in one form or the other. So indirectly, you actually, if you are in the business that we are in, you actually need to understand what is uh, what is going on. And at the same time, from one perspective, we are talking about macro macro developments. But then an, another perspective is sort of more micro in the sense mm-hmm. that you actually need to understand if you are in the banking business, what kind of a credit portfolio you are sitting on. And, um, and, and if you don't, then you're actually likely to not understand the risk that you are taking. And that's why this is highly, highly uh, relevant. And let me give you just two examples. Uh, by now, it seems to be well known that the spruce bark beetle, <laughs> is actually destroying the trees in Sweden. and we produce quite a lot of pulp and paper. And then of course, you need to understand what does that what that does to the pulp and paper industry. Moving over to this country, you have uh, right now uh, flooding in California, and that of course is uh, affecting the agricultural industry in in this part uh, in this part of the world and substantially substantially so. And at the same time, there is a conversation going on about uh, uh, what, ha- what is happening with bees? Because you need bees in this country and all over the world for pollination. And if there aren't any bees, well, then you won't have a lot of project produce. And in that sense, referring to your question, all these issues are interdependent. Like it or not, they truly, truly are, but <clears throat> We are not good at, as of yet, to
1: fully understand those interdependencies. So we do
2: have some homework.
1: Very good. So uh, Governor, let's turn to you, including the perspective from um, an emerging market. So I'm going to start with the link with food security. So recently, the uh, Food and Agriculture Organization of the UN, the FAO, uh, noticed that the global loss of diversity is threatening um, uh, 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 food security, food supplies, the livelihood of millions of people, including the one in your countries. So from, from that perspective, how do you see climate change, biodiversity as a threat to Rwanda, uh, financial system, and economic stability, and, and generally more Africa? And the beyond, Africa is also very exposed to this risk. And what can central bank and supervisors do in that respect? And how do you link that to your mandate in the context of Rwanda?
3: Yeah, thank you. Uh, and thanks to the Toronto Centre for organizing this session and for inviting us to be part of these discussions. We, we appreciate what we are doing with the center today. He talked of capacity building. We are benefiting a lot from the center in terms of building capacity of our staff in, uh, in supervision and in orientation of risk-based supervision. So coming back to this topic of today, I think as my colleague Stefan said, uh, sort of new to central banks, and uh, we, we, especially in our part of the world, we are really starting to understand what it is, what impact we have on our mandates and may not be that uh, of, may come from different channels compared to maybe the developed world. I think for for us, the biggest impact of climate change today is on our agriculture. And uh, mainly because our agriculture is still predominantly uh, linked to the weather patterns on how the weather's, how rains are uh, coming in different periods. So we, we we were used to Normal rain periods, like for example in Rwanda and many African countries, we have two crop seasons, and in most cases we we'll would be assured of rains during those crop seasons. But today, uh, we are no longer assured of when the rains are coming, or whether it's enough for for for, uh, uh, for agriculture. And so, one is we, we are facing prolonged droughts, uh, and that affects, of course, uh, farming and uh, the other channel is through uh, uh, floods. Mm -hmm. Flooding, yes, but it's not as big maybe as we see in the West, but it also really affects, as affects agriculture to a big extent, but it mainly affects on the fiscal side because it destroys infrastructure. But coming back to to, uh, droughts, like today in Rwanda, we have inflation we've never experienced uh, since 2008 during the financial crisis and this is really two angles that are merging to cause this big problem so we have the the normal global challenge that everybody's facing with high inflation every uh, every country uh, but that for example when i look at my colleagues in the region their inflation is around 10 percent or so but ours has been exacerbated by agriculture by low produce of food crops last year the entire The two seasons I say we have in a year, we lost it last year because of prolonged droughts. And uh, today agriculture, I mean food inflation has gone above 50%. And overall inflation is around uh, 20% by by December. So these are high numbers that are really linked to climate change. And when we talk of inflation, it's not just about uh, the prices on the market affecting uh, the consumers, but also the the yields, the, the agriculture itself, more than 50% of our population get their income through agriculture. So with this prolonged drought, they lose their, their yields, they lose their income, and so it's affecting the overall government uh, uh, a program of fighting uh, uh, poverty, reducing yeah. poverty. So w- when I look at our case, we're really mainly affected through Economic instability because our mandate of economic stability is being challenged. Now, with inflation linked to agriculture, we don't have monetary tools we can use to fight this inflation linked to agriculture. We've been really using the tools we have to fight second round effects of this inflation, but with little impact on the trend. So we only hope we really will manage this uh, inflation to bring it down to our levels, uh, our uh, band of between two and eight, if agriculture goes well. Good thing with our tools we've seen what we call underlying or core inflation going down, but food inflation has just kept going up. So that's a big challenge. We are seeing links to climate change. In terms of uh, financial stability, uh, it's not that big, because Mm -hmm. we, which is, (laughs) it's a blessing to the financial, to the banks mainly, because they don't have big exposure in agriculture projects, yeah. uh, it's in fact in banks just about 1% uh, of their total loans go to agriculture. Well, that is good for financial stability, but it's bad for economic development because the main financing arm of economic development is the banking industry. It's not financing one of our key sectors of the economy. Agriculture contributes about 25% of our economy. So, but really, from the financial stability point of view, at 1%, we don't see any big challenge to Mm -hmm. stability. Though, even this 1%, their uh, uh, non performing loans are much higher than any other sector. In fact, like like last year, I think we're at around 26% of this uh, NPL. So, I would say climate change is real. And when I talk, I'm giving Ronan experience, but this is really almost similar to most of our colleagues on the African continent. We, 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 we are having big challenges on agriculture and so the, the investments now, what the government has been doing in our case is trying to, to encourage insurance in the agriculture sector. Insurance has been almost done yeah. It's Just now that through government projects that are giving farmers subsidy, that are helping to educate farmers together with insurance companies, yeah that we start seeing that insurance coming into to support uh, or, or to, safe, to protect the farmers against these uh, shocks. Yeah. But also uh, it is taking time to understand it and even the insurance sector is fearing because they are not yet uh, good enough to assess the risks that they're insuring. But, but at least this is one positive step that will help to, to ease the challenges we see in agriculture. So all in all, Big challenge for us as as a central bank. We've uh, we just started to understand what these, these uh, uh, climate issues uh, mean to our f- financial sector. We've, we are carrying out a diagnostic study to see how the readiness of our banks in dealing with the uh, shocks. Maybe I'll say that uh, for, on the next uh, comment, what we are doing to try and address issues to do with green financing versus brown financing or whatever. Thank you.
1: thank you very much, Governor, and thank you very much for bringing the resilience angle. We may come back to that later because we focused a lot on stability and risk, but there is also that resilience angle now to reach out to small farmers and households. So maybe we'll come back to that a bit later. So Neza, let me turn to you. So you bring a very different perspective, which is the one of a security supervisor. But in addition to the, your work in Morocco, you're also um, um, playing a role as the chair of the Africa Middle East Regional Committee of IOSCO. So we see a lot of move in the securities uh, supervisory uh, family. So can you el- elaborate a little bit on our capital market regulators? Can it help mainstream sustainable finance? What are the opportunities and the cost? And what are you drawing from your, the less, what lessons are you drawing from your work in Morocco, the challenges that you are facing in Morocco, but also in discussion with your colleagues um, in, in the African continent and Middle East, what they say they see as their role, but also the challenges.
4: Okay, thank you, Jean. Well, first I'd like to thank Toronto Centre, uh, Chair, President Si Babak, for inviting me to this panel today. Um, I'm very happy we, we have an active participation within Toronto as an active member of the Toronto Centre Securities Advisory Board. we also very happy to, to uh, benefit from the different uh, uh, Seminars that we organized, and uh, together we had one on green finance uh, just before COVID, as you mentioned, Babak. So, uh, our, in fact, our, our journey and uh, uh, in, in this field of green finance and how capital markets regulators and uh, securities regulators uh, uh, can play a role well, it started the uh, at least for the Moroccan capital markets authority. It started and it started a bit. A little bit before IOSCO started to talk, to think that we had a role to play. And that was during COP22 in Marrakesh. So, uh, because uh, we, we understood that it was the COP of the African continent, but it was also the COP to mobilize resources to, to, to address climate change uh, 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 investments and uh, uh, to tackle the climate. Uh, Uh, climate change issues. But what we've done as first Moroccan Capital Market Authority, but also, and this is the link with the Central Bank, we we first worked on a national roadmap. Sustainable development uh, in Morocco is embedded by the Kingdom Constitution. So uh, sustainable development and the financing of the sustainable development, it is uh, is a priority and we started to draw a national roadmap gathering uh, uh, all the regulators central banks uh, ministry of economy finance the uh, insurance supervisory banking system uh, investors uh, to to tackle all this issue and to see what was our role and and within our financial stability committee that is in, that is held twice a year we 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 do we we see the progress of what we're doing so as related to to the supervisors of capital markets we usually uh, uh, our mission is to protect investors uh, ensure the good functioning of market fairness integrity transparency so we we start we try to understand what would be our role and our role was to see how the tools instruments within capital markets could, could attract uh, investment for, to, uh, for uh, sustainable projects, sustainable investment. So what we did, instead of working first on the regulatory issues or legal issues, we had the more flexible and dynamic approach. We started with guidelines. With uh, IFC, we we had that we published our guidelines on green bonds uh, to enable uh, to enable companies, corporate, to to finance then their green project, and uh, we we uh, we published this uh, the, the, this first guideline, the, uh, of course, including all the international standards at that time and explaining. So we started with guidelines, and we've seen. Uh, we've had issues explaining. It was also the the opportunity to to explain what uh, uh, to explain to the investors what they have to expect to, to cooperate the their uh, their require the requirements that we will have in terms of uh, uh, information of disclosure, um, and it enabled uh, since then uh, a certain number of issues green sustainable also gender. Oriented, so this and then little by little we included mandatory reports in our regulation. Mm-hmm. So instead of uh, working hard to to introduce this uh, the, this issue within our legislation, we started and then little by little we and uh, so what we have done as well uh, on the, the as we had this national roadmap during uh, COP twenty two, we also. Uh, we, we pushed uh, an initiative called Marrakesh Pledge that uh, gathered uh, African uh, capital markets regulator as well as uh, as uh, stock exchanges, African, to uh, commit uh, to, uh, to to commit uh, uh, and develop the, uh, sustainable capital markets. So this is what we've done and. Uh, uh, this uh, and uh, today we are an active uh, contributor within IOSCO because we were the first, uh, the the first to understand that we had a role to play. We had that momentum, the COP22 in Marrakech, and little by little today there is IOSCO talks about it. We have uh, uh, we, ha- uh, we have a committee, a task force. And uh, we, within IOSCO and we within the AMRC, which is African Middle East Committee, uh, our role uh, also is to explain, not only to share the experience and expertise that we've had in different jurisdictions, because we 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 try to to share and uh, learn from the others' experience, because as we were all, I think we were very late, and uh, it's. Uh, it's a it's a problem. It is not a, it's not the only field where we have to we, we come after after uh, something is, uh, exists. And we see that in other fintech issues, and we and we have to regulate. We have to explain, and we have to understand what is our role. And today, on the continent, we uh, we uh, we assist each other. There's a lot of uh, efforts in uh, financial education explaining and also uh, uh, sharing the expertise and see how it can be adapted in other uh, markets within the region. So.
1: Thank you very much. Neza, one element that I want to flag, and maybe there will be question, is also what's coming in terms of disclosures. It's not working? Is it working now? Okay. So uh, securities regulators will have a very important role to play very soon on disclosure because the ISSB is soon going to disclose uh, its new standard on this. So also to flag the role that security supervisor will have in terms of contributing to sustainable finance when it comes to disclosure. So I'm going to turn to the second round of questions, and then we will open the floor uh, for, for any question that you may have. And going back to Stefan, a little bit around that issue of mandate, which, as you mentioned, has evolved a lot. I think there was a lot of skepticism a couple of years ago. Now it's much more embedded. I think the ECB wrote recently that climate change makes monetary policy more difficult can affect the stability of financial and banking systems. I think this is now much more recognized and embedded. At the same time, the issue is also when we all jurisdiction move to net zero commitment and net zero economy, how can central bank supervisor grapple with that challenge and in um, uh, that transition to a net zero, managing that with the need to deliver price stability and financial stability. So how do you see that forward looking agenda and that facilitation of that transition?
2: Uh, well, first of all, transition will be diff- probably be, be different in many different countries because it's easy to talk about these things in the abstract. But one of the hardest things to deal with for us human beings is the difference between today and tomorrow. And when we start talking about tomorrow, usually we tend to say, well, that's for tomorrow, so let's not deal with it. And if we try to deal with it today, we tend to say, "Well, it's not my problem; it's somebody else's problem." <laughs> and that means that I, you would expect um, change to be uneven in different parts of the world and in different countries. And some of the, my guess is that some of the political processes uh, around this will be quite, uh, quite different. And I see this very, very clearly in my own country because there we have a. Elaborate conversation to become polite about uh, not in my backyard when it comes to uh, wind and wind power and, and that will show up in many many uh, places and that of course can create uneven developments and at the same time it's obvious that you need to do these things and when you do them they will produce relative price changes between different means of production now if you talk about this from a central banking perspective a relative price change is actually not inflation yeah. so you just have, you 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 need to accept those relative price changes but why at the same why at the same time we just don't know whether those relative price changes also de facto will change inflation expectations mm-hmm. and if that is the case then it sort of the whole issue kind of morphs into monetary policy, in one form or the other, and we haven't really seen that as of yet. And we need to think hard about how to deal with those uh, th- th- those those things. And I actually think that a number of other countries, in 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 the developing part of the world, are actually will probably have much more experience when it comes to this, because as 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 we heard here, I don't know what the what. The, what the f- proportion of food prices is in the rwandan cpi but it's pretty pretty big yeah. and that creates a completely different way of having to think about monetary policy in that in that environment because i mean it, should monetary policy be based on um, what happens to uh to the rains or not i mean that's the that's a serious underlying issue when it comes to how you actually do these things and how you, uh, how you deal with it. And we don't, have the, we don't have the answers to that, but we do know that we will have to deal with it as best as, uh, as, best as we can. And then as I started out saying in addition, for most central banks, uh, these types of issues are not really included in the mandate from the beginning. So solving these problems has to be dealt with by others. Uh, but we do uh, certainly do need to be aware of them and do our best uh, on our side. And at the same time, if you are uh, um, running a central bank or a supervisory agency, then of course, at the super super micro level, uh, you also need to be aware of what you do in, in terms of your own uh, carbon footprint. And and that that is also sort of technical issues that were from the beginning not really trained to uh, deal with. But we also have to ad- adapt on that side.
1: Thank you very much, Stefan. So segue to Rwanda governor. So what's the perspective? So Rwanda has committed to net zero uh, CO2 emission by 2050. At the same time, in some developing countries, the issue is less about mitigation, but more about adaptation. And what do what you see as the role of the central bank in either facilitating, contributing directly to that transition? And how are you practically preparing
3: for that role? <coughs> yeah, th- thank you. I think it's, uh, uh, I said it's a new area we we are entering into and we, we, one, we joined our colleagues, uh, different institutions within our country under the Kigali International Financial Center and we just put up a a sustainable finance roadmap. So this is trying, through this we are working out to see how we can establish a a framework and then the national green taxonomy to to try and understand what is happening and how we we, we are working towards uh, guiding this objective the government has given itself to get zero emissions. Uh, again, it, it's not that big because we are not really big emitters as yeah. such and uh, already the government has taken all decisions earlier. We're back in 2008 government banned plastic bags. So they had, as as said, adjustment costs because this was mainly the packaging material used in. Market so took time to adjust to new uh, uh, packaging materials and how that affected the the, the pricing wasn't that pronounced as such because it's uh, it's not a big component of the of the of the basket as we say but had an impact on some industries uh, on terms of their really trying to adjust to to this uh, new. Uh, orientation the government had given. But but again, the government has been really uh, keen on reforestation of the entire country. I think originally we had a target of planting up 30% of our surface area by 2020. By 2020, we had exceeded that to about 33%. Uh, So we, we are not dealing with any big projects that are really big carbon emitters. We don't have any big Energy projects that uh, uh, we need to be transitioned out, so that in itself helps in terms of uh, the cost of transitioning to a green economy. So, from our end, uh, also working with this uh, uh, framework we are setting up, we, we we are trying to understand what that means. Uh, so, we, we've, as I said earlier, we've commissioned a study to see mm-hmm. what that means, what impact can it have on the on the financial institutions, what do, uh, the, how ready are the financial institutions to deal with this. So through this study, we are starting to develop guidelines that will, will help uh, uh, the financial institution to deal or to understand the climate uh, uh, risks within their their the financials. And so we we are still really trying to position ourselves. And I think one big challenge we see already is Really understanding exactly what are the channels of um, yeah. how this is going to affect financial stability, they readily have to to get readily available numbers in a granular form that will help us to do proper analysis of how big this impact is. Uh, so, but it's not it's not it's again as Stefan said, it's it's really different in different countries yeah. because we are we are not heavily invested in. in in uh, uh, carbon-emitting projects that will require big cost to transition to green. Uh, but in any case, we, we, we need to understand what it is. So f- f- we are really trying to, to position ourselves as central bank to build our capacity in understanding this. And so we, we recently, last year I think, we, we joined the network of uh, central banks and supervisors for greening of the financial system to help us build our own capacity to, learn from uh, the experiences of our colleagues and see how we position what we are doing. One, to support and uh, ensure financial stability through this transition. But at least the the, the 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 original assessment, we don't think it will be a big challenge to us because of where we are in our development. So today it's easy for us, and this is a decision of the government, to go green as we are implementing different uh, development projects it might be expensive today in terms of the the initial investments but long term it is good for the for the country and for the economy
1: excellent thank you and thank you both of you for reminding us that it's very country specific but part of it is also to start because by beginning the journey you are learning a lot and you're building your own capacity to understand what are the more specific challenges but also um, what may be your opportunities for action so and as I remind us that Morocco started that journey at COP22, so quite some experience, still a long way to go. So how does this uh, learning by doing to some extent influence how you see the future, the world, but also address some of the challenges you may have found in the specific context of Morocco and now that can help the global community also understand how to prepare for that.
4: Thank you. Well, after this, uh, uh, since we started this journey, there, there is, and you, uh, Jean, you, you reminded it. It's the issue of disclosure. And today, not only uh, through the sustainability uh, finance task force within IOSCO, but also in America, where IOSCO is undertaking work to, to to assess the suitability of standards that we will probably have to, to adopt the ISSB uh, uh, sustainability related disclosure standards because we need the reference and uh, the work is being done to see and we will probably uh, have by uh, the next board or or by June 2023 I think IUSCO will be able to to, uh, to disclose its position. Within our emerging markets, within our continent and region, we also and the challenge is to make sure that every jurisdiction understand what these standards can uh, mean and their ability to adopt them, and uh, the challenges are a lot about capacity building, a lot about capacity building, uh, not only in each jurisdiction understand because and and uh, for for not only for the investors but also for the corporate understand what is expected if they want to to uh, to to finance through capital market uh, sustainable uh, uh, projects, uh, uh, but also uh, to prepare uh, investors and fund investors to have uh, this uh, to include uh, uh, um, uh, in their in their management uh, uh, policy to to include the information regarding the uh, their impact on uh, ESG on sustainability, and uh, for well for the region we are currently uh, launching uh, for region of uh, uh, Africa and Middle East we are currently launching a, a survey to find out the ability and the, uh, of each country it is each country has its specificity is in a different level of development of these. Uh, this issue, but also different development of capital markets. Yep. And we have to take everything into account. Uh, and uh, also, the challenge in the continent is our markets are really fragmented. And so, we need to, to, to have a really harmonized, uh, not only uh, regulation regarding capital markets, stock exchanges, but also the same understanding of, uh, of the information and of the disclosure. Uh,
1: okay. Thank you very much. Thank you to the three of you for setting the scene. So let's open to questions from the audience. Uh, so um, I think we have a mic already. If you can introduce yourself okay. and if you want to uh, have one of the three panelists specifically answer your question, please flag it. But uh, let's open. We have a little more than 15 minutes for question and answer. So please, Fiona, I know you, so I, you, I can call by <laughs> name. Fiona
4: Um, Thank you, Uh, Fiona Stewart from the World Bank, Um, I'm interested in what the panel thinks is coming next, so I think Mr. Evers you you laid out very well there's been a a huge growth and and knowledge of the topic, great work done on the stress testing, on the reporting etc, but to be frank we've not seen the financial sector really have the impact it could have on the real economy yet. What comes next? Do we need prudential capital charges? Do we need incentivized um, lending rates? Do we need to move to the next level from the risk assessment and the reporting to actual other policy tools to really have the impact on the real economy?
1: So I think that's a question that may be for the three of you. Governor, do you want to start on including on that element of (laughs) how to bring the risk assessment into potential thinking?
3: Yeah, I I think what what she's saying, which is uh, interesting, is... uh, Maybe beyond the mandate of the central bank, normally, because our focus on financial stability so we are looking at the channels through which this could destabilize the stability of the banks. I think what you're asking is beyond that, what can be done to incentivize the financial institution to finance green projects against uh, maybe. Uh, I think it's. Uh, it's uh, it's better through other incentives brought through maybe a fiscal side or government uh, initiatives than really regulations by the central bank. Uh, I, I don't know. My, my colleague, my senior Stefan, could say more on this. But I think it's a, it, it, it is always difficult to use regulations to to sort of uh, direct or influence financing of the financial sector to a certain sector or project of, of this nature. So it's, it will be difficult to really use the central bank money to do that. But normally what happens like today, for example, in Rwanda, the government has put up a project that is supporting financing the agricultural sector with lower interest rates, with the linked to uh, the, the side I said, developing the, the insurance into agriculture so that's that's the best channel we can use to and to support or to incentivize banks or financial institutions to finance uh, or to really focus on green financing than brown the, the financing. If I to use re regulations, but I I would request my senior Stefan to comment yeah, on.
1: I'll tell to Stefan also <laughs> to stay in the banking sector, but also because of your experience at Basel and what you see you see maybe coming. So there is the domestic element, including do you use prudential or other incentive, but also what do you think the global banking community is up to and what may be coming our way? And then we will go to Capital Market and also on the opportunity side, how to mobilize financing. Stefan. <coughs>
2: Ideally, of course, one would like to have some kind of a grand plan and deliver on that plan, but in a complicated world, it's not gonna happen. So one has to settle for various types of second, third, fourth, five, fifth bests. And one way of thinking about that is to try to create successes at the micro level and then use those successes to explain to others what is going, uh, what, what is going on and, and uh, why. And let me give you one uh, one example. I happen to come from an institution which which produced one of the first financial stability reports in the world in the mid-1990s. And today, you probably can find more than 50 to 100 central banks that produce various, and supervisory agencies that produce various financial stability reports. It makes a lot of sense in those reports nowadays to include a section on on, on on the topic that we're talking about today. what does How does climate affect financial stability? How do we deal with reporting requirements? Do we have standards that, that are in some sense good enough? How do we avoid uh, greenwashing? And hopefully that over time builds capacity in such a way that these issues are more easily understood and it's generally accepted. Uh, that this is what you uh, what you do with. Having said this, and maybe this is because I've been in this business now for a long, long time, during my entire professional career, I have listened to people who have come to me and said, You are an evil person, lower the risk weight. <laughs> because because I, I'm 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 doing such nice things. <laughs> I have always been that because I have seen too many disasters during my professional life when you have wandered down that route. If you really wanna do it that way, as we heard, it's a fiscal issue. Don't mess up the central banks and the supervisors by demanding putting risk weights down to zero when the risks are far higher than zero because that creates some serious, serious difficulties down there. Uh, down the uh, down the road so that really should be avoided and it really forces central banks and supervisors to do things that they don't want to do and it forces them to do things that are not really not in their mandate there will always be a strong political pressure to to do these i call them tweaks and why <laughs> is that because in the short run it appears to be for free <laughs> if if i start tweaking the risk weights because of green this and that Nothing happens on the fiscal side today, but boy, what happens at some time in the future? But everybody is happy in the short run, both the bankers and the politicians, because you uh, appear to solve a problem that costs you nothing, and that's not a good way. Uh, that's not a good way to go uh, go about. So one has to try to use other, uh, other types of solutions. But but I do think that we have some serious conversations ahead of us on the topic. What is it, what is for supervisors to do? What is for central banks to do? And what is actually fiscal issues? I don't have an issue. If you want to subsidize, subsidize this and that and the other in order to get these things moving, fine, fine, fine. But those issues are actually fiscal issues. And then on a completely different topic, which is very serious, is, is to think about it the other way around. And that is today. There are by far too many subsidies on oil, coal, gas in different forms. Get rid of those subsidies. I mean, that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good start. But we do know, and particularly people working for the IMF who have tried this for decades, how difficult it is to get get rid of those subsidies. Because if uh, gasoline costs almost nothing. Well, people adjust to that, and then you, you need to get rid of those subsidies. Thank you.
1: So thanks to the two of you. I, I turn to for the reminder that supervisors are very powerful, but cannot do everything, uh, and that they should not be pushed too far from their core mandate. Neza, from a capital market perspective, there is also another angle to that discussion, which is mobilize private capital to move ahead in decarbonization, adaptation, et cetera. So what do you see as the agenda coming? What are the challenges? And what can be done about it? And then I will go back to the audience.
4: No, absolutely. I, I totally agree that we uh, we have to be neutral. I mean, but also our mandate is to make sure that everyone, every stakeholder, understand what it is about. Understand what what are these? Uh, uh, how uh, capital can be attracted to finance uh, uh, climate-related uh, uh, project or climate-friendly. Uh, uh, Projects or sustainable uh, 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 projects in in a way. So, what is today? I think the challenge is first to the capacity building to make sure that everyone understands very clearly uh, what are the commitments from it, from the investor, for the investors, for the corporate, for for the regulators. And uh, uh, what we're doing is that. as, and we, uh, we want to explain that capital markets can be an opportunity to finance and to attract all, these capi- all this uh, uh, capital to, to, to finance projects uh, through capital markets. And by, so our role is to make it more clear, uh, to explain, to raise awareness, and also to, to try and, and find a way to, to, to adopt the same international standards or to avoid greenwashing, to avoid many misunderstandings, and to mitigate the risks. All risks are related because we have to manage by the risks today also in capital markets to avoid the other disasters that we've seen in, uh, for other issues. So.
1: Okay, thank you very much. So Babak, you wanted no, to come so in? Someone else in the audience?
5: Very insightful panel. Uh, it's. It, it's undeniable that climate change is there, that the severity and frequency of events are occurring. And I appreciate your comments, Stefan, on stability. And and the panelists have, have talked about the mandate of regulators. But it, it occurs to me that, um, and if we look for, for the panelists' neighbors in Malawi and uh, Mozambique, who were impacted by Cyclone Freddy? Uh, their contribution to uh, climate change was negligible, um, but the suffering, uh, the devastation, uh, was great. What advice do you have for regulators uh, to uh, enhance that conversation about the need to do more faster? Because uh, you know, you've all talked about the things that need to be done, but. It t- and Stefan, from your comments yesterday uh, or earlier, the the picture is not good. So how do we accelerate uh, the conversation for with other regulators about the role that they can play to uh, improve our actions against climate change?
1: Thank you. Thank you, so Stefan. Maybe I'll turn to you. And then there was also a resilience angle to your question. So I will ask panelists whether they can come to that. We have six minutes, so. A a
2: quick quick reply, just keep talking. (laughs) Okay,
1: (laughs) super efficient. (laughs) Governor, any perspective on that also, on that mitigation adaptation and who should move first, but also how to raise somehow the resilience angle? You started to that earlier, financial protection. So what can you do as regulator also? to push for that agenda. It's linked to financial inclusion, but also new products being made available to our souls and farmers, et cetera.
3: Yeah, I, I think to his question, to his comment, as as my colleague said, keep talking but and work the talk. I think there's yeah. a lot of talking yes. and less doing. So Absolutely. with these COPs, I hope we can get better outcomes from the COPs. Uh, I, I think the issue of uh, we call it carbon financing or carbon credits, or, yeah. so how do we really uh, transfer the, the challenges? That, for example, the countries, you mentioned Mozambique, uh, uh, Malawi, or small islands in, 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 in the Caribbean here are facing with less contribution to this burden. How do we transfer resources from the biggest contributors to this burden, support the these to adapt to, to to mitigate these risks. So I I think there we we need really to push to have actual things happening than the talking. I think there's a lot of talking and places happening on the ground. Unfortunately, there's always that tilt of uh, influence and power in this talking. So the, 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 the country's saying I don't think they have big influence and power in influencing what happens on the table. So we need really these independent minds to support the the, the voices of these uh, countries that are suffering. So I, I think that's that's from the greater point of view. Uh, yes, as I said, we have this network that we're working together to see what we can do. But I think there's the channel through the COPs that can yield better and quicker results than yes, the 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 the, the, the meeting of regulators or the. the the network of regulators. I think on resilience, we we, we talked about the the, the really trying to, to 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 see what kind of investments going forward. And as I said, for example, in our case, it's now easy that the national development agenda promotes green uh, promotes a green economy So in terms of whatever you you're doing in uh, the projects coming up. There's always that uh, whether in the building uh, uh, requirements that green factor is, is or climate change is embedded yep. into that, so th- that will help the country. But of course, unfortunately, we have these big uh, shocks coming from the global warming itself yeah. that we can't do much about. Uh, so positioning our 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 banks in terms of understanding the risks and. Uh, well, as I said, stress testing against the least. What are the possible channels? They'll be hit through these uh, uh, challenges linked to climate change, and how do they guard against that? I think that's what we are trying to do as regulators. But in terms of the, the going first in our case, the government is serious about really greening the economy, and that helps a lot. But uh, to what she said, it's making it a bit expensive to finance projects, and therefore, uh, there, that's where we need to see how we get these monies outside there that are supposed to support uh, the mitigating fire initiatives to, to, to make it easy uh, for these uh, projects to get affordable financing.
1: Very good, Neza, last word from you and then we will conclude the panel.
3: Maybe
4: what we have intended to do in Morocco to accelerate, we first worked on a national framework with all the i mean all the regulators and this is important and the and the stakeholders and also we have tried to, we've had this pragmatic approach i think it's important this is what we're sharing to explain and to to promote the innovation within the capital markets to to attract uh, the funding for these projects and this is what we have done and what we have shared and what we're sharing uh, with with other countries and with other uh, regulators, I agree that there are momentums, and the COP is always the, the, the COP uh, event is always the, the opportunity to uh, to gather all stakeholders and also to promote this, these these uh, uh, different tools, different tools to to finance and accelerate the financing of the climate transition.
1: Very good, thank you very much. Thank you very much to the three panellists. Very complimentary perspective. A lot has been done, still a lot to be done, but let's respect the mandates and the role, including what is the government, what are uh, supervisory monetary authorities. Capital market, obviously, a very important role to play. Um, your, your national experience are also very interesting because coming from different angle, it reminds us that it's going to be very localized and not one size fits all. But sharing information, including through the network like NGFS, and and the many work that is going on is very important so thank you very much thank you to the Toronto center uh, again and
4: uh